Are you ready to revolutionize your path to wealth and unlock the secrets of the millionaire fast lane? In today's episode, we'll be uncovering the game-changing strategies from MJ DeMarco, best-selling book, The Millionaire Fast Lane, Crack the Code to Wealth and Live Rich for a Lifetime. Get ready to shift gears and supercharge your journey to financial freedom with these powerful lessons that have transformed the lives of countless entrepreneurs and wealth seekers around the world. So buckle up and let's hit the fast lane together. So we'll be diving into powerful lessons from the best-selling book, The Millionaire Fast Lane, Crack the Code to Wealth and Live Rich for a Lifetime by MJ DeMarco. I like the name MJ because my name's Mark J. And Valerio seems to like the name DeMarco because it's got family ties. <laughs> We're not related. I'll be sorry for that. <laughs> Whatever you so say. We'll be exploring the synergy between key concepts that can help you achieve financial freedom and create a life of abundance. So let's get ready to shift our mindsets and accelerate your path to wealth. So for the first topic, we're going to be covering understanding the wealth trinity and the law of affection. Now, the wealth trinity just consists of three things. Firstly, control. Secondly, leverage. And thirdly, scale. It is the foundation, according to the author, for achieving financial success in what he calls the fast lane. Now, if you take those three concepts we're going to cover in a second and you combine them together with the law of affection, that emphasizes the impact of positive influence on wealth creation. And these concepts together is essentially what then leads to a powerful roadmap that the author thinks will lead to success. So yeah, when it comes to the three fundamentals definitions, we'll start with control, which refers to taking charge of your income sources. And then move on to leverage, which here means utilizing resources effectively. And finally, scale. This implies maximizing your impact. Ultimately, the more lives you positively affect, the more wealth you can create. Let's just think of who knows, YouTubers, celebrities, whomever makes a bigger impact. Once it comes to scale, it's, it comes to fast lane millionaire, I guess. And this is what the author refers to as the law of affection. Not to be confused with affection, affection. I would love to see the law of affection, but uh, putting that on the side, um, I I think one of the very first examples that the author used in the books was around uh, his first business. And I love this example uh, because it's like incredibly re relatable uh, as a first point. And secondly, it's got it's something that cannot happen every five to 10 years. So every five to 10 years, there's like some sort of a technology shift or there is a, a new big platform that gets introduced. You know, think about Facebook. Then a few years after Airbnb got introduced. And that provides opportunities for people to exploit this platform and be able to get on the fast lane. So DeMarco um, explains that when he was in the early days of the internet, he was able to exploit the internet. And he created a very, very, very simple website to connect limousines to chauffeurs in the industry. That's all he had to do. Very simple concept. However, he had control over the income source because he owned the platform and he leveraged it by tapping into the power of the internet, meaning that he could then scale. So the internet ultimately allowed him to connect people from country as across the country and not just from a regional perspective, which is what used to happen 
I guess before the days of the internet, that you only used to be able to connect within your immediate city, or perhaps if you were a larger multinational, you could connect a little bit further on. But the internet allowed that opportunity for everyone around them. And of course, not only he scaled, but he also resolved the problem for the customer. So I'm thinking about all these high school kids wanting to have a limousine for their, uh, I don't know, for their prom night, um, because, you know, this is based in America. And he was now able to connect limousine to limousine drivers, which, you know, it's it's a very, uh, you might think, a very small problem, but something that he managed to resolve at scale. I wonder when it comes to the five to 10 years, if that frequency has increased with the buildup of technology, like it made sense at the time of writing. But when I think back to the fact that TikTok came out a couple of years, like it did the change then, and then AI is already here, and who knows what the next step is. But still, if we touch on that comment that Valeria made about five to 10 years, Every five to 10 years, there is like a huge technological shift. And for MJ DeMarco, it was the internet. It was Airbnb for property owners and Facebook for advertisers. If you think about who their big customers are and where the money and revenue is coming from. Mm. So yeah, right, like, like I'm mentioning right now, it is AI. We live in a world of untapped opportunities and DeMarco has given us the recipe almost to make the most of it. So the key takeaway here is basically identify business ideas that can provide value and solve problems for a large audience. You'll notice even in the examples I'm giving where uh, it's Airbnb for property owners, that's the issue they have. And then the advertisers who now have this platform where they can utilize even Google ads when it comes to it, it has to solve problems for that large audience. And then you utilize your resources build a scalable system and focus on making a positive impact on people's lives. So our second topic is about adopting the producer mindset and creating assets. I love to repeat my topics because it's always like, <laughs> if it was me the first time I heard it, adopting the producer mindset. Now I'm not talking about making some beats <laughs> or just getting your producer hat on and being like, this movie is going to be amazing. Whatever you do in your private time is up to you. Okay. <laughs> but here I'm referring to shifting from a consumer mindset to a producer mindset and focusing on creating assets which is crucial for building wealth and achieving financial freedom. Now, it's quite funny that you mentioned that because I'm looking at you, obviously, you know, we are over whatever platform that we're using at the moment. And it looks like Mark is literally eating the microphone. So I thought that for a split of a second, he was putting this all along and he was going to start beatboxing in the middle of that, uh, that title, but he hasn't. So I'm a little bit disappointed and uh, I died a little. <laughs> You've been dead this whole time. Listen for 10 <laughs> But you may be sitting there uh, after, especially when I say that, might be wondering, like, you know, what do you even mean with that? So a producer creates products, services, or content that generates passive income and wealth over time. Creating assets like business, real estate, or even, I don't know, intellectual property allows you to ac accumulate wealth more efficiently. So, so this is the stuff that probably doesn't give a return right away. You know, you can think back even to the book that we covered from uh, Robert Kowalski. Is that what his name is? Kowalski, Kowalski yeah. <laughs> yeah. That we covered a couple of weeks ago. So this is the stuff that will essentially put your money to work. So recently I took a trip to Japan. Well, I mean, it was my honeymoon. We were out there for, uh, for about three weeks. And um, one of the cities that we visited was called Kyoto, which it used to be the old capital of Japan. And if you ever you know, rearrange the letters, you realize that Kyoto actually also spells Tokyo. Anyway, 
putting that on the side, uh, Kyoto is quite famous because one of the things that it has, it's, uh, it's a bamboo forest. And uh, this bamboo forest is, uh, is really beautiful because it's, it's unusual. It's like you enter this, um, this area and everything that you look around, you see those, those trees, because, you know, a bamboo is a tree that have got very small trunks. And um, it's unusual because typically big trees, tall trees have got very, very big trunks. And um, you look down and all you can see is also green. So you haven't got that uh, brown that you're used to, but you're seeing the greenery. And, and it's, it's very picturesque in a way. Having been out there, I just started looking into, you know, how long does it take to grow bamboo? What are the conditions? Because obviously... Like you do. <laughs> like, like you do. J- Japan is famous for it, but uh, you also read about bamboo forests in, um, uh, in China. So, you know, there must be something from this Southern Asia area uh, that must be quite conducive to growing bamboo. And in reading all these stories... And uh, I guess also reading the um, the background into how it grows. What, one of the things I found is that uh, bamboo takes a lot of care to grow. And uh, specifically, if you were growing bamboo, you'd be out there putting the seeds in the ground and watering the ground for probably the good part of three years without seeing any results whatsoever. So you're just there as a crazy person with your hose in your hand, watering the ground day in and day out. No results. Wait, so someone could be watching you just thinking you're just watering for the fun of it for free. <laughs> like that's Pretty much, crazy. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. You'll, you'll have your neighbors like probably wondering what the heck you're doing. But then on a beautiful spring day, three years down the line, you will start seeing some shoots from the ground. And those shoots in the space of about 60 days, they grow to a height of over about six feet. Now, bamboo is incredible because it's actually one of the fastest growing plants that you can find on the planet. You can, if if you put um, a camera recording it, you could actually capture that growth and uh, you you could see like how quickly it uh, it comes out from the ground and how quickly like gets to the height of a human in in those span of six days. And, And it's beautiful. And, you know, people will then walk by, of course, they will look at your bamboo and they will think, ah, that's a really cool plant. You know, that, that, that looks amazing. I want to do that too. And, and that's actually what, life, what happens with life as well. People will see the success. They will walk by and they will think, ah, I want what that guy has. I want the properties. I want the business. I want X and Y. Because they look at the end product and they, and they desire it. However, they're missing the point because they have not seen what has happened for the, those three years where you were standing there like an idiot, watering those plants where there was nothing coming out of the ground. And uh, I just found this to be like this kind of like beautiful uh, similarity between the gardening world and the business world where, you know, people want the instant gratification, but actually if you want an asset that really does return things to you and you want to be this uh, producer, then you'll have to put in the effort and you will have to wait for uh, for those uh, bamboos to shoot out, and it will take three years at times. Uh, but it's it's a beautiful comparison, and I fit I think it fits quite well in with uh, what the author is trying to tell us in this particular section of the book. A number of um, comparisons come to mind, but I think you put it so well there that I don't even want to <laughs> like ruin it by adding on some simple versions. That's very very adequate, very eloquent. I love when you butcher my story, so please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather I just say it. 
<laughs> no, on this occasion, I'll leave it be. I need to, to add on where I'm like, that's great. Also, I once waited to use the bathroom, and that's what you have to do. It's just a, that different. No, no, no. I'll leave it alone. But the author does stress the importance of creating value rather than just consuming. So when you think about bamboo, at least your example is about creating value. Like you add bamboo trees to the world. Mine was going to be like YouTubers or who knows. But yeah, by highlighting successful entrepreneurs and investors who built their wealth by generating assets is another key part that the author um, highlights here, which is like one, create value. And then he gives us some key examples. Read the book. It's always great. <laughs> but in the ebook, we read about Sarah Blakely's story of creating Spanx. I feel like we've mentioned her before. She'll come up again. Just just in case you're annoyed that you're hearing her name. She's a very successful entrepreneur. She identified a gap in the market for comfortable and figure-enhancing undergarments. She used her savings to create prototypes and started off from her apartment. She then focused on producing something that would solve problems for millions of women. And of course, the reason why I'm talking about her today is because that paid off as she became one of the youngest self-made female billionaires that's with a b in case you're wondering the difference here is that she had self-belief and took a risk on herself she could have easily presented the idea to a company or the industry and gotten a small cut instead but in this case she stuck with it and i'm pretty sure she's like um a venture what's it a venture capitalist someone who gives money towards other companies who are starting mm. and i'm aware of this master scale good podcast you should listen to it <laughs> i'm pretty sure she's on that as well but um yeah, it's that difference where one, she created value and then she believed in herself enough to follow through with it instead of just cutting and running uh, for the first profit. I love that phrase of taking a risk on, on herself, you know, because people will look at it and they will think that's risky. But what the majority of people do is that they take a risk on just working for an employer and hoping for the best in some way. Because, you know, when it comes to difficult times, Employers to just get rid of anyone. They don't. They don't really think. Oh, you know, this person is taking a risk by working with us and yeah. spending I don't know seven to ten years of our career with us and putting in their blood, sweat, and tears into into their um, into their career. They they don't really care. They just will get rid of anyone. So that's why when when I read that they've taken a risk on themselves, I'm like, good on them because it takes guts but also it takes that kind of vision to also realize that it's not really a risk um and it's certainly like not riskier i think sometimes than than working on a, on a normal job or a normal career very true but but um i guess as as part of the book as well there are some thought exercises that uh, that you can do yourself when trying to adopt the producer mindset that uh, i think were really valuable and uh, those uh, kind of questions that you want to be asking yourself is, what is it that you can do? And once you answer your question, think about the following couple of things that will follow, which is assess your skills, passions, and resources, and try to identify opportunities where you can create value. And that could be things and skills that you can that you have from either your passions as well as your career. And sometimes they might be very different from one another, but when you bring them together, they can add a lot of value. So for example, if you're an analyst, but also you've got a passion for, I don't know, uh, painting and the art, maybe you can figure out a way in which you can intertwine the two to create something which is required in the art industry in order to, I don't know, evaluate how well 
um, artists can perform. I'm, I'm just making it up. But there is opportunities when you think outside of the of the normal, think outside of the box. And the second point is develop products or services like you know investing in real estates or creating intellectual property that generate passive income. And again, when you think about what is it that you can do, keep that in consideration because the more you have a passive income and the, and the less the more hands off you are in something the more return investment you have the more time that you free up because ultimately we probably want to get to a point where we are comfortable and we don't have to worry about going to work every single day this is the point of getting you know into the fast lane right we want that freedom and that those are the kind of things that you want to keep in mind to uh to excel in uh, this uh moving from uh, the slow lane into the fast lane Topic number three and the last topic, the importance of time and embracing calculated risk. The next sentence I'm going to say, I absolutely loved when I read it. So time is a non-renewable resource. Hmm. I'm just going to say it again. I'm going to do a mark. Time is a (laughs) non-renewable resource. And learning to use it effectively along with embracing calculated risk is vital for success in the fast lane. And... The reason why I read it twice is because I do have a feeling, let's call it a gut feeling, that a lot of people think that their time is free or they feel that it's okay if they waste their time or it's okay if uh, if people don't pay for uh, for the products or services, etc. But it's a non-renewable resource. Once time is elapsed, you're not, you're not going to get back those uh, five minutes that gone by. You're not going to get back those 22 minutes, 25 minutes that you just heard. So if you don't like a podcast, just stop now. I'm going to tell you, like, give you advice and just don't waste your time on it. There was one time I went to watch a Batman movie, the last one that came out. And I swear to you, I wanted to walk out in the middle of the movie just because I did not like the movie. Um, after having consulted my wife because you know one can just walk out from a movie with a wife without the wife um she convinced me to stay but sometimes you know cutting your your losses short is the best option because at least you can do something else which is valuable with your time so not a renewable resource just diving more even further into the, how it's not a renewable resource it, it reminds me of when you're on the street and someone comes up and they're like just a moment of your time and funny enough if they ask you for some money which you're probably waiting for them. You'd be like, no. But for your time, you're like, oh, that's free. <laughs> that's the cheapest resource I have to hand. You don't do the maths to say, actually, that probably cost me more than just handing some money and going on about my day because we don't value it as much. And like Hilarious story with Batman, mine is, um, I'll never forget this. It kind of shifted my mindset where once me and my friend were going, were invited to go to, um, I think it was airsoft shooting. And We'd paid, which was £70, but still it was high dear to me uh, back then, amount of money to be like, hey, let's go to this. And it was a travel, it was going to take time and money. And then we both looked at each other and were like, but how about we just think of it as we paid not to attend? And it was like this huge wealth of release. (laughs) We got our time back. We might have lost £70, but we didn't mind it. It was like we paid to enjoy ourselves in whatever way we were. I didn't see them for the rest of the day. I was, I'm was, i still happy with that <laughs> decision. But I knew that the value I had on the time that I could have been using differently was way more higher than just doing this activity with people I didn't actually really know or care to be around at that point in time. 
So yeah, I think it's it's true. It's not a renewable resource. And I'm not saying money isn't important. I've also seen a number of things where people try and guess a millionaire, a secret millionaire, and they try and goad them in by like handing them 10 pounds or something and seeing if they'll take it. And the millionaire seems to nine times out of 10 take the money because money's still money. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> but yeah, if you get back to the, the topic, if you focus on high impact activities that bring you closer to financial freedom, you can make the absolute most of your time. So taking calculated risks involves stepping out of your com comfort zone, starting a business, investing in new opportunities or pursuing innovative ideas. So let's have a look at uh, Groupon. It was founded by Andrew Mason. And at the time of launch, the founder, Andrew, identified that there was popularity of daily deal sites. So he decided to create a platform that, that would put together all of those deals from very various businesses, offering consumers unbeatable discounts from for a limited time period. So if you ever use Groupon, you know that you'll go there and you can uh, get deals on uh, probably 80% of stuff, which looks absolutely rubbish, but you can still get a deal. So in, in a matter of speaking, because they were so popular, it was pretty much a non-brainer to put this uh, platform together. So the founder invested his time and resources into building Groupon as we know it today. And in a way, this can be considered a calculated risk. So despite the challenge of starting a new venture, Mason recognized the potential of the idea and believed that the potential rewards outweigh, outweighed the risks. And he then went on to focusing his time on the high impact activity. So think of this as the 80-20 rules in a way. So what 20% of the activities can I do here in order to get 80% of the results? And this is quite useful, especially when building a business or building a platform where you try and identify, okay, what can I absolutely do here that is actually going to give me a return without focusing on any of the fluffy bits? So he focuses time on developing the platform and securing partnerships with local businesses. And that was key because if he had the partnerships in, he would have the stuff that would then attract the customers onto the website. And that's how Groupon growed very quickly. Do you still use Groupon, by the way? Because I'm not going to lie. I do not. I do. <laughs> I have not used it in ages. It's funny. So when I was in the Philippines, I used it there. Uh, and I've only had good results. And then in the UK, I use it. And it's not like I um, actively do. It's like I forgot. And then I go back to it. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is so awesome. <laughs> this is a still. Congratulations. If you're still with us, you've made it to the last reflection points. And here's where we'll provide the points, questions, and thoughts that can guide you in considering the importance of time and ways to embrace calculated risks. So one, what activities can you personally prioritize that can contribute to your wealth building goals? And what calculated risk can you take? If you haven't already, try and note these down somewhere, either on your phone, because that's probably what you have to hand, or on some piece of paper so you can go back to it and reflect on it. So a way to think about it that Valerio has mentioned on a previous episode and that they promote in Amazon when it comes to assessing situations is, is it a one-way door or a two-way door decision? So one-way doors are decisions that are consequential and nearly irreversible. They should be made, these should all be made methodically, carefully, slowly, with great deliberation and consultation. You want to make sure you've done the most robust research to justify a one-way door. However, when it comes to two-way doors, these are decisions that are changeable and reversible. These should be made quickly by high judgment individuals or small groups. You still consider them, but if you're taking too long to think about this, you're wasting time. 
<laughs> and what did we already mention at the beginning of this topic? Time is a non-renewable resource and it's very valuable. So this brings us to the end of the episode and we hope that you've enjoyed today's deep dive, in a way, of a Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco, where we reviewed three topics. The first one was understanding the wealth trinity and the law of affection. Secondly is adopting the producer mindset and creating assets. And lastly, the importance of time and embracing calculated risks. As always, I have been your host for today, Valerio, joined by my co-host, Mark Jasons. Mark Jason, yes. Hope you've enjoyed as always. And until next time. Adios.